Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive, and the grand finale of the team by team previews today, number 16 of 16. Uh, we go put a bow on the NFC West. How are you doing this Wednesday? It is bittersweet, isn't it? Like I, I don't want to, I don't want to ever say like, "Hey, these are a pain in the ass." But after like fourteen of them, it's like, it, and it's not only the "Hey, I'm, I'd like to get to the regular season." I think that's the biggest part. Like you can taste the regular season come. Some of the stuff you're reading, some you of the previews the that you've been using. What? I can taste some, I can taste the regular season coming. Oh God. Yeah, we have to clip that. Jesus. All right. <laughs> and it is we are NC an NC seventeen. We are a little punchy. Jesus. This is yeah, I'm a little yeah. punchy. This it, is the it end. Is, this is the end. It's very exciting. It is the end. And yeah, no, I'm I'm not only just happy to be done with done with these because I mean again, we've talked about it numerous times. They're very beneficial for our preparation. I've adjusted my power numbers just based off a little here and there, like, oh man, I kind of missed this when I put out my initial numbers or yeah, you know, things same. that have happened throughout the preseason, oh, yeah. paying attention to Absolutely. that. Absolutely. A bit of a strange year, obviously, with the the full ass gap between week four the essentially the final week of the uh the preseason and then the regular season it's kind of nice it's gonna be just straight up all college football and i have a couple fantasy drafts that'll be fun and and a holiday weekend so get yeah, closing it up here with the rams yeah. and niners and we'll get to uh next week next week this time you'll be in be vegas doing uh i'll be in vegas you won't quite be there yet but we will be doing a let's talk about every game podcast, which has been yes. Those are my favorite. Obviously, as I honestly, halftime shows are my favorite because those are the best and the best interaction the with best. you guys. Yeah. But the the full breakdowns on Wednesdays are the greatest. Um, again, if you guys enjoy those, do join us in the chat. We'll do a Bishop more Bishop Sycamore breakdown eventually. Here we'll get to them on the docket, but yeah, final one, Drew. What's uh, what are you what are you looking I mean, forward to next? You week? know, you know, let's uh, yeah, let's take care of a little business, a little house cleaning, right? Uh, housekeeping. Uh, you are you will get a podcast Monday, even though we will not be recording it live. We are going to record a podcast for your earballs on Monday that covers a summary, an encapsulation, if you will, of a rundown, a bullet rundown, bang, 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 bang. Every team, 32 teams, we'll just give you our, our basic summary. We will not deviate from what we said on the pod. There may be some updates, obviously. Things like you know, Mac from Jones the early games, uh, early now teams, being the quarterback yeah. changes things for the Patriots, obviously. But you know, we will put a we will put our best spin in as tight a package as possible so that if you missed some of the preview pods. You can get all of the good stuff in one pod, and that will be our gift to you for Labor Day. Um, in addition to that, we have another bonus pod coming up, which I'm very excited about uh, in the same sense that we talked to our friend Suma uh, and got his take on the season. Uh, we will have a surprise guest that we are recording with tomorrow that we will dr- bestow upon you. So if you have travel plans for Labor Day, if those travel plans have not been canceled or disrupted by COVID, that's great news. 
uh, and you will have an extra podcast to listen to if you like to do that sort of thing while you're driving. So that's uh, that, two more podcasts. Yeah, truthfully, yeah, truthfully, that was my favorite. Just getting a we hadn't done an interview in a while. I think we're going to try to do this a little more through the season. Just oh, get some sure. random interviews. And I really, obviously, Suma's a very smart cookie. We got another smart cookie coming in. And yeah, anybody who is watching this on, oh, let's say the periscope or is watching it on twitch that'll be pretty much just on youtube the the bonus one it'll go up sometime in the next few days i don't know you'll have to subscribe maybe turn on alerts that that might be something you have to do and again if you're listening to this in podcast form of course do follow the uh youtube because that's where it will go up first if you want to get it as soon as possible and with that let's one i do have one more housekeeping Oh, as Patrick says, suck at Twitch. No, Twitch is okay. Just not YouTube. <laughs> but yeah, final housekeeping before the season starts because it is the final preview show. We've done this in the past. We'll do this again. We are going to be doing a Betsbert NFL picks pool. Ooh, Andy, what do I have to do to enter this picks pool? Like literally nothing. You literally have to do nothing. You're telling you, me this is the free? Only thing you have to, yeah, the only thing you have to do is do it on the app on the Betsperts app is make at least and just so we can't we're gonna grade this by win percentage so we just don't want Tommy Tommy Hot Streak to go out and go you know six and zero and quit you're not gonna win you have to pick at least seventy five games okay. against the spread full game throughout the season highest winning percentage wins and we'll grade tiebreakers however but yeah the winner gets twenty five hundred bucks we're gonna split up five grand between first through fifth and again it's free. No, yeah, no proxy needed. You just go ahead and do this. And yeah, again, like if you're already on the app and you're putting your plays in on NFL, you're already entered. You just entered. Did you know that? You're in. That's like, awesome. You, if you, I've put some NFL. I've only put totals in actually. So I, I have nine. There. I have nine NFL plays in the app already. Nine. Yeah. <laughs> for <laughs> week one. Only, <laughs> only, only two for me, but yes. Uh, again, this is, if you want to know the nine free. plays that I've played for week one and you want them early, you can get them in the Betsperts app and only on the Betsperts app. That's the only place that I've posted them. Besides when I gave, I, I gave some out to our outstanding uh, YouTube audience one day when we were, um, re, when we were, uh, uh, you were on vacation, uh, gave them some week one. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We gave them some week one early oh, release, um, but the um, now, but the uh, the Betsperts app, the football contest, twenty twenty five hundred bucks, man, that's huge. That's nice. Imagine, imagine having a great NFL season, tracking your plays, and as a bonus to that, you get twenty five hundred bucks because you were using an app to track them. Like that's freaking slick. That is excellent. Um, can't wait to find out who wins. We should just bring them on the pod. I'll, I'll throw that little cherry extra on there. If you end up winning and you want to be interviewed, uh, we'll, 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 uh, interview. We'll yeah, interview. How did you do it? How did you? Yes. Honestly, we'll twist your arm and give you to give away all your secrets. Somebody's <laughs> going to get hot. So, all right. Yeah. If you have any questions on that, obviously bug at Betsperts. Matt can answer any questions, but again, like I said, it's literally putting your plays on the app. Mm-hmm. And it's graded against the, uh, the whole season. Winners get a bunch of cash. And with that, let's try to get a bunch of cash by figuring out how to bet these last two teams. We'll start in the beautiful Bay Area where this team played five out of his eight games, uh, home games last year, if you remember, because I forgot that. there were some very, very strict. 
That was the biggest thing that stuck out about the season outside of the injuries. The injuries, obviously, massive, massive story. I don't know. This podcast might be two hours if we try to break down all the injuries. Like you yeah. can just say uh, there's a couple different metrics as far as like average games missed. Average I mean, off the top lost. of my head, I think everyone got hurt. Every single person in all the levels, like they were in the, uh, if you go by like positional groupings, uh, football outsiders had them in the bottom five and like four out of the six positional groupings. It was, it was pretty rough for them. So obviously this was a very good team. Everyone was high on, and then the whole team got hurt and they had some other issues. There was some COVID people got hurt, came back and then got hurt again. And then on top of that, they didn't get to play three of their home games at home because of very strict rules up in that part of uh, California and they were forced to go play down in Arizona. You know, how many of those, that too. how many, how many of those games they won down in Arizona? I think they were Oh, and three, right? They lost every single last one of those. You are correct. Yeah. I don't think and they yeah, covered other... the spread in any of them either, or maybe they did the last one. I uh, couldn't speak to that. I'm not sure, but yes, just like the, Oh, this, I wrote down a pun and I didn't even lead with it. I was like, like the 18 Colts luck was not, <laughs> you know what's funny though they they played yeah. four four of their final five games they played in arizona because one of them was at arizona <laughs> so arizona, they just yeah. they just spent december in the desert uh new, you know christmas and new year's away you from the they fam. Got used to it. yeah christmas and new year's away from the fam um all right let me go back a step and talk about pre- this time last year with the san francisco 49ers who are coming off of a super bowl run that ended in the third quarter uh, maybe the fourth quarter. I can't really remember when that ended per, per se, um, but they came up ever so shy losing it, to the Kansas the City Chiefs. It was, it was like the beginning of the fourth. And what did you, what would you say about their off season? They basically ran it back. I mean, there was a couple of moves pre, you know, last year between the, the almost getting, winning the Super Bowl and the start of the regular season, their schedule wasn't especially hard. I didn't think uh, sequencing wise, uh, you know, they started out very soft. I thought, Cardinals, Jets, Giants, you know, Eagles. I was like, oh man, they could get off to a nice little start here. Um, but things went, and, and honestly, and I bet, I bet some Jimmy G MVP because I thought in the third year under Shanahan, he was going to take a meaningful step forward. Um, you know, there was a lot of things to like about that defense, being able to repeat some, maybe not as good, but at least be close. Um, all of it went up in smoke pretty much week one. They lost at home as almost a seven and a half, eight point favorites to the Arizona Cardinals. Okay, whatever. Week one divisional. Yeah, game it was tough. like a touchdown. Week, week one divisional games are fluky. Like I don't think you really ever want to play a divisional opponent week one. Things can get weird. Uh, so I was willing to give them a pass. They go on the road to play the Jets. They're it's their it's their requested road trip. Jets Giants. They stay over the they, over uh, the uh, week at the Greenbrier. Uh, between those two games in New York. And uh, while the results would tell you they righted the ship, um, you nailed it. The injuries were just unfreaking believable in this the Jets, Jets game. game. And then they, the Jets game, especially. Almost and all then the again Jets in the game. Giants game. Yeah, but they, they, but it kept the hits, the hits kept coming. I mean, they lost everybody. And uh, we didn't get to see Debo Samuel play last year. Um, you know, we barely got to see Nick Bosa play last year. I mean, a bunch of the blue chip guys that we expected to be meaningful contributors for this team never really had a chance um, after their, uh, you know, and I, I honestly, I think 
their defense still is like literally the JV defense against the Giants. They still hold the Giants to nine. <laughs> yeah, that, that, those were those were a couple games. Where yeah, it's like, what do what do we do with this? Like, how deep are they? Are the backups good enough to be bad teams? Yeah, but those, we, those you remember are, what happened tough, next, right? Tough teams to handicap. Those are yeah, those games are tough, and and you know just kind of flipping forward too, like just the it it always felt like oh, maybe we'll turn a corner and these injuries will go away. And it just never did. Even it's like, all right, Jimmy G's kind of healthy again. Let's get him in. It's like, oh my God, he's not healthy. Get and they did. They pulled him at like in the second quarter at halftime, I believe. They got him back out after they put him in the first time. It's like his leg ain't right or ankle or whatever it was. And yeah, like Bosa coming off a rookie of the year season barely plays. If at at all was that preseason i'm trying to think if bosa even got the, on the field now there was a couple of those where it's like oh this is this bosa done went down in the jets game if i remember right yeah yeah it was bosa and then um massively uh, i mean just everywhere on the defense they lost uh, even what you say what you want about richard sherman they lost him for a bunch of games lost their safety for a bunch of games they lost basically your three best defensive ends immediately you had issues on the offensive line obviously a quarterback or two and then, you know, the running backs, they were going through those once in a while. They were sure. losing, you know, Kittle. Uh, Kittle, very, oh, yeah. very important. Massively and then you already talked about Debo. But, yeah, like right off the – I looked at their season-ending roster. It was – God, there wasn't the third DN, too, that I can't think of. But, yeah, Ansa, Bosa, Jimmy G, D. Ford, Raheem Mostert, Mullins, two quarterbacks, yeah. even the damn kicker. Like they had 18 guys – that run the IR when the season came to an end, that's, you're just not going to ever have a good year like that. No, and, and, it, and you know what? it makes them tough to evaluate. It makes the season tough to evaluate, but yes. even more than that, it makes, it made it very difficult to price this team correctly week in, week out. Um, and you saw massive market overreactions from one week to the next. I mean, uh, after getting downgraded massively against the Giants. They beat the tar out of the Giants on the road. They get upgraded. They go get caught by the Eagles as favorites. Uh, people are like, oh, they'll bounce back and get home against the Dolphins. The Dolphins throttled them. Uh, and then at that point, the market just completely dumped on them. I'll never forget this. The look ahead week six on the Rams game was Niners hosting the Rams minus three. That number opened plus three and a half. That was one of the most severe market overcorrections I've ever seen. Of course, they went outright against the Rams 24-16 in that spot. Uh, it wasn't even as close as that score, in, in my opinion. Um, beat the tar out of the Patriots. But then uh, they get beat by the Seahawks, Packers, and Saints, three legit teams that were relatively healthy, that were playing relatively well. They didn't really stand a chance because of the injuries. And at four and six, heading into the bye week, the season was over. Yet they got to play spoiler. They beat the Rams and they beat the Cardinals down the stretch. Both of them, those games ended up mattering um, in the uh, grand scheme of things. They finished with uh, a record of six and ten, three wins in division. (laughs) They beat... Uh, they beat the Rams twice. They beat the Cardinals. I once. saw that three and three. Yeah, and uh, swept the Rams two years in a row. Extremely tough team to price. Extremely tough results to break down and try to make sense out of what was what, uh, which really does open up huge questions about how to price them this season. And you saw it this year as well uh, with the way that they were priced. So, um, what did you think of their off season? And I guess uh, what was the timeline like for? them in the quarterback evaluation process did you get the sense when the season ended that that was maybe the last time we 
we're going to see them go to war with Jimmy Garoppolo, even though he was only 29 and even though he only saw six starts out of him a year removed from a Super Bowl run? Yeah, we did did kind of feel that way as far as like just not only maybe some of the success, although he's been very good when he's been healthy just because it's a good team with a good coach and decent pieces around him, but kind of felt like, you know, maybe Shanahan felt like he was coaching with one hand tied behind his back. <clears throat> when you have something like that, where even if it's just an off injured rather than maybe a bad quarterback per se. So kind of felt like there's maybe a trade. A lot of people speculated a Patriots trade, but I think a lot of those problems just worked its way out with the fact that it was such a thick ass quarterback market in the draft. And um, again, they kept their cards pretty close to the chest on what they were doing after the trades. And eventually we came to terms with this. And again, Trey Lance pretty raw, but I trust, trust Shanny, trust this. I, I guess, I guess it's kind of a, hey, I'm my stamp on this. And like, this is, uh, you know, obviously he's not on the hot seat and I, neither is Lynch, but if this backfires badly, I mean, it's, that's a good way to end your run here and he'd get another job. Like he has enough track record to obviously get another job, but yeah, the, the off season did not go in any way, shape or form how I thought it would you know, culminating with uh, having the third pick and picking Trey Lance, I guess. Outside of that, I was happy about Max signing. Yeah. Like, that's a, you know, you, you, that's a spot you needed some help. Um, Sanu, Sanu doesn't really move the needle, but it's like a million-dollar contract. I'm fine with that. Like, a little more depth, maybe slot guy. Um, the Sermon pick, maybe a little bit of a, a little bit of value there. Like uh, if you can just upgrade little pieces here and there throughout the draft, that's like taking a running back on day two, day three, isn't a bad idea. And then they did lose a few pieces, but I never was a, a Witherspoon guy. And I'm trying to think who else, maybe Solomon Thomas. There wasn't, a, wasn't just a, a ton of turnover here. You know, there's going to be, what do we, th I pretty much running it back on defense, maybe added a piece here. I, I think, uh, Another DN came in. I'm trying to think of the guy's name now too, but they, uh, you know, outside of Mack and Sanu and some rookies, not a lot difference. And really the preseason, what I've watched so far, and again, it's so hard to glean anything from the preseason. I'm, I'm a fan of what they're doing so far. I guess you have a new offensive coordinator, even though Shanahan's got his fingers deep enough in that pie. And technically, yeah, you do have a new defense. Not technically, you do have a new defensive coordinator because yours was poached. And yeah, you you get some picks for that, like you get some what third round coordinators. But it is, uh, I think they'll be fine. Although I do, I do like Salah. It was, you know, with that many good players, I think somebody under him can probably take over the reins and have as much success. Maybe they need new team doctor, new team physician, new team something, but they, uh, yeah, they, because this injury thing everywhere I've read, it's like, Hey, they had really bad injury luck. But if you look, they've had really bad injury luck for like eight years. And after a while, it's like, man, you know, are you, are you guys maybe, you know, it's not like, Oh, the doctor sucks. It could be, you know, coaches being like pushing guys who maybe should be taking some time off for a light injury and then turning it into a bad injury. So, oh man, I I, I don't know I don't know what to make of that. So, um, 
I I love this team. Like, I'm just going to say that to start off. Like, I'm super excited. I love this team last year. And, like, there's nothing stopped me from loving this team outside of what the hell are they going to do with the quarterback. And I think maybe it's going to be, like, kind of like we saw in the preseason a little. I don't know. We'll get to that. But, yeah, the the biggest change here for me is obviously the Lance thing. And I don't know. Maybe I'd like you to run through scenarios with him. Like, what you – do, should we do the thing like what you think will happen and what you what you wish would happen? Like what's most likely and what would you most like yeah. for Trey Lance? Because I kind of have – there's some different ideas there too. Oh, boy, this is tough. Um, overall, I thought the process could be somewhat criticized with how they went through the draft. Obviously, they traded up into the three spot. It seemed like – Everything they've said, it seems like everything they've said was true, was believable after the fact, which was they didn't have, or actually after the fact, they claimed that it was Lance, always Lance. They only ever had eyes for Lance, which is what you got to say. But my read on the situation is they traded up with a couple of guys in mind and said, we're going to go through this evaluation process. And that's risky (laughs) considering what they gave up because they gave up the entire future of this franchise. Um, But by all accounts, you know, people commenting on what, you know, the way that Trey Lance has looked in practice, he seems like a unique talent. And if he is as talented as the people who have seen him play in practice say, then my best case scenario is put him in the game as soon as possible. Let him take his lumps against the likes of the Lions and the Eagles defenses. Those are two defenses he should have no problem moving the ball against. Uh, let him get some reps against the Packers. You're going to run the ball 40 times in that game anyway. Just put Lance out there and use some some interesting run schemes and gash those guys. Um, you know, you I would like to see Lance get three wins under his belt weeks one, two, and three before he has to take on a Seahawks team, which is a little tougher to prepare for and you know not as great a matchup for you. Um, however, it seems pretty clear that, uh, they were always intending to go with Jimmy G and, uh, Lance getting hurt sort of towards the tail end of the preseason here, I think cemented that. So it's going to be the Jimmy G show. And while that's fine. And a year ago, I was excited about his potential to kind of take the NFC by storm and go to the Super Bowl again and compete for an MVP. Um, you know, I'm definitely a lot cooler on Jimmy Garoppolo because he hasn't taken any steps forward in his game and he can't stay healthy. Um, but that doesn't mean he can't give you competent quarterback play for five weeks here and then you prepare to uh, insert Trey Lance into the lineup coming out of the bye. Um, I, you know, for all I can tell you, they're intending to start Jimmy Garoppolo all season, which is just mind-numbingly stupid, in my opinion, if they actually do that. Um, I don't think you realistically want to wait an entire year having drafted a guy to see him on field to get some tape on him. I mean, look, you want some evidence on why that's stupid? Look at what the mess the Packers found themselves in right now. They didn't get, you know, uh, Love didn't dress for a game last year. They got virtually, they have no idea what they have in terms of a quantity there uh, at all. And uh, he gets hurt in preseason week game one so you don't really even get to see him much this preseason um and they are completely behind the eight ball in terms of what to do going forward from an evaluation standpoint you do not want to find yourself in that position if you uh are going to build your franchise around trey lance and you know kids the kid has the 
the goods by all accounts and Shanahan can make it work. I don't know why you don't just start him immediately here. This is a, it's weird decision making. And I don't love this. The the push is like, he's super young, even for like, he's one of the younger quarterbacks that would have ever have started a game, which kids are more ready nowadays. You can't compare this against like when Bobby Lane played his first game for, you know, the lions back in 1948. Somebody fact check that for me, but, uh, Again, the level of competition too, and then the fact that you have a quarterback that you're able to ride to the Super Bowl. I don't know what they'll do because of just all the subterfuge and fucking around they did in the draft. But I feel like I hope it turns into do you remember when when Flacco played and then Lamar would kind of dink in and it was fun? And they've other teams have done this now too. And it's it's you know, as much as people pissed and moaned about Taysom Hill stuff kind of works especially when you give him a change of pace like Jimmy G's not scrambling for you're not worried you bring in Lance all of a sudden the defense has to make quick adjustments on the field without getting to talk to their coordinator like bouncing him in and out I think he needs to be playing a lot if he's not starting he needs to be playing like he needs to be in the game plan as doing some gadget stuff and then Jimmy G probably gets hurt anyway and then the the better you know the the best case is to just play him and see what you have. But out of what, the two cases of before moving too to, far, like, let's just before say moving well, too far. What's your what's your gut read on the gadget stuff? Will it work? What's your percentage that that will work? High because it's Shanahan. Oh, I don't like, know, man. Lower, lower, <laughs> lower know, with man. it. Lower with I I liked I liked some of the stuff I saw in the preseason from this offense so far, but I I think it can't just be strict gadget. It can't be like he's in, it's a run, or it's a it's always an like if it's just he's in, it's an RPO no matter what, then that shit doesn't work because people just like oh he's in, they're doing this like they have like three plays for him you know and that's hyperbole, but if, if they just get real dumb with it, and that's what I'm saying, he actually needs to come in and play quarterback in certain spots just as a change of pace again i don't love it i think we'll see it but in the long run and i'm not going to say when jimmy g gets hurt because that's like wishing an injury but you know how he is he has a strong history of injuries and if he were to get hurt when he gets hurt i'd rather have trey lance having 10 snaps a game than none at all and working with the first team offense part of the time in practice, then not at all. So in my mind, it's a lesser of two evils. Getting the gadget plays, even if the gadget stuff isn't that great, at least he's getting time on the field with the starters. So then when he has to step in, because the Jimmy G injury thing is probably what? Like, what are the odds that Jimmy G misses a game? 35%? Due to injury or ineffectiveness or both? Injury, just injury. Uh... Well, or... or you know, this could be an ineffectiveness too. You know, if they're bringing them in gadget style and go, go gadget, uh, Lance, and then eventually they're like, Jimmy G kind of stinks. Like, what do we think about bringing this kid in more? I mean, again, in that situation, I'm happy that he got some snaps. It's better than nothing because I just don't, you know, they're not going to start him day one, game one. We know, like, that's the reality of what they're doing. We, we do believe it's a mistake, but in my mind, again, it's kind of a, all right, there's there's things I'd like to see happen, but this is the reality of it. And in my mind, getting the gadget plays would be better in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, so, the Jimmy uh, G again, staying healthy. They should thing, start him today. The one year he that, shouldn't be starting. Yeah. yeah. 
Of course. Yeah. And the Jimmy G health thing, I mean, it looks like the one season we saw him play a full slate was the fluke, not the, and that all of the rest of the time that he hasn't been able to stay on the field is the reality. So I guess if you're going to tell me when is he getting hurt, he's getting hurt week four against Seattle or something like that. I mean, that seems the most likely here. He's not going to make it. I don't think through the first quarter of the season without picking up something, maybe he tries to play through it in week five and then they use the bye week week six to, um, you know, to really roll out the, the, full deal with Lance I guess I mean if if we actually see 10 snaps a game from Lance on offense I will be floored I mean the gadget stuff 10 seems high that has been promised yeah when the gadget stuff has been promised throughout the years it's usually one or two snaps and I gotta tell you it is super duper uninspiring I'm thinking like you know, like even, you know, you remember when we got to see Jalen Hurts at long last, like we, whatever it was, 13, 14 last year. And it was like, oh my God, he was very obviously the better of these two quarterbacks. What in the hell were they waiting for? We had actually seen Jalen Hurts on the field with the gab- yeah. gadget stuff under Doug Peterson. And it was hot garbage. It was so ridiculous. Yeah, like, but that's the, Doug. You know, I know. But I want to like, give Shannon a little I know, bit of I know it, but like, here's the problem is that when you have a young quarterback, the reps aspect of it is the important aspect, you know, the getting comfortable being under center and looking at the defense and evaluating what's happening in the, in real time and, uh, and understanding like the communication between your offensive line and all of that stuff. So, um, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know, the idea of getting him some reps is more important than getting him, you know, of getting him you know, lots of consistent reps is more important than just getting him one or two yeah. here or there. Cause I can mm-hmm. tell you right now, if you're just giving him two, three spots stuff and it's, you know, one, you know, every one, you know, a couple of those plays get blown up. A couple of those plays don't go like you think, uh, you know, you have an RPO, he gets tackled in the backfield, you lose a yard, you bring him off the field, he's hanging his head, you know, like that kind of stuff. Like it, it's not, it doesn't help your team win in the short term no. and it doesn't help him develop in the long term. So and that, I, that's where I do hate, I do hate the gadget stuff. And I guess in my mind, it would be more of a change of pace where you give them a drive. Okay. Yeah. Like, if that's right. the way they, t- if, if that's, that, that if, would if be they better play it that way, I'm in, I'm in. If that's the way I'm they play it, I'm, I'm in, I'm in, I'm in. And honestly, uh, if they just if we don't see him take any snaps in the real game at all and they're just giving him practice splits and they wait until week six to insert him uh, so he has a home game against the Colts week seven, that's completely fine by me. Um, but, you know, you're going to need him to be game tested before you get to the end of the season if you're expecting him to be the guy to uh, manage his first playoff run as a rookie. So and then just <clears throat> Market market wise, because I have I bet Wilson immediately at like 10, 11 to one. I got some Mac Jones at 10 to one. Like how if it gets to week six and Lance has not played yet, how high is his number? And if Jimmy G looks bad, I I think anything, I mean fifteen? Or is it low? Uh, no, I mean it's it's going to be big. It's going to no no no. I'm thinking bigger. It's going to be big. Oh really? It's going to be big. Oh yeah 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 yeah. I because, think there's always going to be Mac- that hanging over them. Like he's going to start eventually because if Jimmy G, I think a lot of what what that number is depends how Jimmy G looks and how the media is treating it. Like okay. you know Lance is nipping at his heels. If Jimmy G looks great, it's going to be a big number, and I might just not bet it. Uh yeah, that's fair too. But you know he's going to get hurt eventually, so we probably will talk you into it. <laughs> 
<laughs> because it's yeah, going to be a big right. number. Um, you know, here's the here's the problem. Um, Mac Jones has the Jets week two. He has a um, Texans game week five, Cowboys week six, Jets week seven. Um, so bef- in the in the week that Jim that uh, Trey Lance may likely be making his first start, you could have four. 300 plus yard games in the books for Mac Jones. Um, and Mac Jones could be four and three as a starter. He could be five and two as a starter. Um, and that wouldn't surprise me. And at that point, yeah, that is the at other that part point, the, the market, at that point, the market is completely upside down on him. And yeah. How the other rookie quarterbacks fare is a big part of that market too, that I just kind of left out. I'm assuming and- Wilson, I'm assuming Wilson is a write off considering his situation, especially with the offensive line and, Trey Trevor Lawrence is is clearly a, a a force in the rookie of the year running, um, and he has a soft start to his schedule as well. Um, but there are also questions swirling about how that offense is going to look and how he'll be used. So um, I think it's fair to put Mac Jones as the clear market leader for offensive rookie of the year because through seven weeks he could be four and three, five and two, and have some really impressive statistics. Plus people are going to get to see him go toe to toe with Tom Brady on Sunday night football week four. And that's going to be one of the most watched games of the entire season. And if he is even remotely competent in that, like people are just going to gush all over themselves. You remember how they were after he was competent in preseason. Well, just imagine how he's going to, you know, how, how people are going to lose it on themselves. If he, if he competes against the bucks, which oh, he yeah, should were, because the offensive line for the Patriots is freaking dynamic. So there were, there were people that pushed um, uh, fields down to like five to one off of like one throw, you know, that I seen Twitter blow up when he had a couple good, couple good plays. Honestly, it wasn't even a full drive and people, I mean, somebody, I remember there's one tweet. He says, I'm sold and I'm betting rookie of the year. It's like, I I just struggle to take anything away from preseason. Maybe I'm too dumb. I just can't. I oh, can't. Yeah, no. I can't grip on like you know. Is this defense trying? Like I'm not sitting there looking at all the numbers and pausing the all twenty two and be like, who's even out there right now? I'm just yeah, looking at mechanics on those guys. So, um, yeah, and I guess we we know what we want. We know what they should do. The interesting thing will be honestly what actually everything. Happens. Everything about this process that. Shanahan and Lynch have gone through to this point has rubbed me the wrong way. Everything, how much they gave up, how you know the public, uh, like you know the the the, the public nature of the decision at three, um, the indecision, the seemingly indecision at three, you know, throughout the process, uh, and then now the indecision at QB one when uh, you have a guy that by all accounts, clearly won the job if it was a competition in preseason. Um, it's uh, it's frustrating. And uh, it tends to have bad – it tends to have consequences. It's going to have consequences for this team. Um, I think if you expected to win a playoff game or even two playoff games this year, um, you probably needed to roll with uh, Lance right out of the gate. That's my gut feel. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this team. uh, I just don't know how to, yeah, let's talk about the rest of the team besides the quarterback here. Um, top five roster. If healthy, possibly, possibly top three, if quarterback is salt. Hmm. What's this uh, offensive line rank? How's it? 
They got two new pieces on the offensive line and Alex Mack and uh, who's the starting guard now? Is it Banks? Uh, no, Lakin Tomlinson is going to start. Um, oh, Tomlinson was old. Uh, Likely. It's uh, Daniel Brunskill. All right. <laughs> Daniel Brunskill. What do you think of uh, these guys being elevated into starting roles or, you know, uh, just in general? McGlinchey kind of underwhelmed offensive line. Any concern? If if Mac works out, I think uh, you got, I mean, solid left tackle. McGlinchey, okay. I don't, I mean, yeah, it was a, a name. You know, it was a, I'm not sure, I'm trying to remember exactly where he was drafted, but I think he was probably expected in form a little better. If Mac works out, he makes the guards better. Yeah, you probably have a rookie guard there, but it's top half probably. It's just not like a top ten line. It's it's good, good enough, and it could it, it, you know it could elevate to top ten. McGlinchey gets a little better in his you know this year, and Max brings the the middle line together. Max Mac. So yeah. good offensive line, not great. Right. Okay. Receivers. Are you can Samuel top half great, of the league receiver combo? Yeah. Oh yeah. Now if you go, I Samuel Kittle, the three guys who are going to be on the field every snap. Uh, that's a really solid trio. Uh, Sanu, meh. Uh, you know, you're probably going to see a fair amount of uh, juice check out there in uh, some in some twenty one. He's a good fullback. Yeah, of course. Um, and, uh, you know, I think, yeah, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's really the running game that makes this, this offense click, which is insane to say in the year 2021, can you imagine us saying like, oh yeah, this, this running game is so dynamic. We love this coach. We love this team. Like it's, it seemed ass backwards, but it's so dynamic. And so the misdirection is used so effectively. The motion is used so effectively the putting receivers in places to get yards after the catch on easy, makeable throw and, you know, pitch and catch type of throws is spectacular. It's it's spectacular. Absolutely cannot get enough of that. And um, you honestly misconception there too, like little misconception, gambling, Twitter misconception too. Like, again, nobody says running the ball is bad. Running the ball just to run the ball is bad. Running the ball into stacked boxes is bad. Running the ball yeah, on running the ball on early downs to like, establish like, the run for that the sake of it. Running is, the ball out of bunched tragic. formations is tra- yeah, tragic's a great word for it. Running out of a bunched formation rather than some sort of spread or misdirection or a mesh RPO. Like there's and that's why, yeah, again, Patrick nailed it here. Predictability is bad. They do so much to cause misdirection and confusion, and their run their run scheme is good. It's like Baltimore. Well, like yeah, they run the ball up, but they're good at it, and they do it at the right times, and they do it with efficiency. Like you know, when you have teams and coaches, especially old school coaches, you say like, we have to go establish the run. Like that's where it feels like you're just running a run play, just to run a run play. You don't think you're going to like, oh, man, this is going to be so efficient. We're going to have a successful play. This is definitely going for at least five yards on first down. It's just, no, we need to – we're doing this so that the linebackers will move up and we can run or, like, so play action works later. That's, you know, that's the thing we shit on. So, uh, yeah, they're a running team. And not only a, a sign of a, a good run scheme is being able to bring in all kinds of different backs and watch it still kind of work. Like they went through a cavalcade of guys over the last couple of years and it, it seems to work anyway. So 
I'm yeah, I'm fine with them continuing to base it around the run and a good run scheme. And if the quarterback is a part of the running game, hint, hint, Mr. Lance, that makes it even better. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And I honestly, I think of the the easy pitching catches is like you said, as an extension of the running game, um, which is, you know, just because it's such a high probability of success is, uh, is huge for these guys. And uh, as you mentioned, Kyle Shanahan continues to be one of the most uh, well-respected in my opinion, um, you know, fairly well-respected uh, offensive minds in the NFL. And I have great, you know, high, high ceiling on this, uh, this team. Uh, offensively, similarly, defensively, actually, we didn't even mention they did lose their offensive coordinator. LaFleur heads east to take the role with the Jets. Yep. Um, yeah, they, both fought, they lost both coordinators. They got like, they got like a, a half dozen, it's way too many. They got a few picks for, uh, I guess, pa- I guess what really, Mike LaFleur was passing game coordinator. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, he was kind of the old coordinator. But it was still yeah. know, Shanahan's thing. Mike McDaniel was the run game coordinator, and he was elevated to just O chord, which is that's that's cool. I like it when you have one guy <laughs> as opposed to splitting to, that job. You just um, sit next to uh, you get to sit next to Kyle in the meetings. Yeah, and Demeco Ryan's was elevated to defensive coordinator, and by all means, he sounds like he is cooking up something pretty interesting on the defensive side of the football. Uh, again, with assuming health. This defensive um, front seven is among the best in football. I don't think there's any debating this. Armstead, Kinlaw, Bosa. I don't know what Javon. I don't know what to expect with Javon Kinlaw. I have I have high hopes for his NFL career, but uh, I don't know how healthy he is right now. Um, but Nick Bosa, Kinlaw, Armstead—that's a super solid foundation. Uh, you have decent reserves in D Ford and Maurice Hurst. Um, you know, bunch Arden Key, a bunch of guys that uh, you've kind of picked up uh, and can kind of plug in as uh, role players instead of asking them to do it all uh, is great among that front uh, front four. And then you add to the mix the best uh, linebacker in football? Question mark Fred Warner, uh, top three linebacker in football. Fred Warner, what's your read on that? Yeah, I was gonna say as far as fronts. If you want to group it all and then throw Warner in their front seven. And again, like we're very down on this team, but like the Steelers, the Steelers are right up there, even losing a player and probably Tampa, I guess, too, with just what they have, not only from the edge, but they have run stoppers too and good linebackers. But this, uh, the ceiling for this is the best front seven in the league. And the floor is what happened last year with a massive amount of injuries, I suppose. But the floor without injuries is like seven, eight. Like this is not ever leaving a top 10 for as far as front seven. This is a a force. The the weakness will be a little bit uh, in the back end of the defense in the secondary. And if, if that turns out to be less of a weakness, more of just a weaker part of a really strong defense, you might be looking at the best defense in the league. It just, no. it, that's that's where the ceiling is and i'm very excited to see all these it's just like all the dns got hurt in like two or three weeks it was it sucked like i was excited to, i hate watching players get hurt i like to watch good teams could do good things and the niners not only that they became very tough to handicap because week in and week out it's like everybody's hurt but they're playing the jets should we bet this game or what, what are we doing here um and yeah I, i'd like to see them stay healthy because this is this could be a very fun group do you want to guess who my highest 
Uh, I, I can tell you right now already that Fred Warner is my highest rated linebacker coming into this season. And the gap is actually kind of bigger than I thought. Um, you want to guess who number two is? Oh, how, how are you defining it? Like, would you? I, you I have, I have, a Z, like I have ed, a Z, I have a Z, I have a Z score. I have a Z score that is blended between PFF grade and um, approximate value from Pro Football uh, Reference. No, I'm saying, how are you defining? Like, what about these linebackers who are kind of edge rushers? And like, oh no, no, I'm thinking like off-ball linebacker. Oh man, I can't even think of somebody I'd put in there. I hate all off-ball linebackers. God, uh, the couple, you know, there's a couple up in Seattle I used to like, but they're getting older, and I'm, I'm not even sure I'm so enamored with them anymore. I'm trying to think of somebody rather like I love Bobby Wagner, but he's old. He is. It's true. Um, Where do you have him? Curious, because he was my favorite. Let me, let me look that up. I think he's on the cusp of the top ten for me. Yeah, he's still got to be around there. Um, my number one is Warner. My number two is Darius Leonard of. Um, oh, there you go. The Colts. That makes sense. That's a good one. Devin White of the Bucks is number number three. Devin White, Devin White, uh, Tampa. And again, I, I I was like, God, I should just think on like what I said, Tampa and Steelers, because. You know, like I said, with uh, Barrett Suvea, JPP. Who's their other linebacker? White and one more. Uh, Levante David. Yeah. Yeah, Christ. That's, that might be your best defense, honestly. That might be your best team. <laughs> that might be the team. That <laughs> is the team too. you're trying to fight through if you're getting through. Oh, well, Zelensky in the chat got a Wagner or Leonard there. So, yeah, yeah. Wag- um, Wagner is my uh, number five. Um, so he's in the, he's in the, and again, this, this section is called positive injury regression and (laughs) we're just going to use it to, I mean, we're going to use it to list off how good this team is because this is how good this team should have been last year because they had wild injuries. And if that sorts itself out, that's why this team's getting talked about on a Wednesday and not a Monday, very high hopes for this team, especially based on a kind of soft schedule. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. The schedule is a huge, huge, huge factor. Huge factor. Um, you want to bring it up? Let's jump right to the schedule. Yeah, let's pop up the schedule. And yeah, like the depending on how you rank it, it's different people rank it differently, but it is pretty, pretty easy. The toughest part of the schedule is the By fact the way, that sorry. you're in the NFC West. I mean, that that's the tough part, really. Yeah. You finished, you finished last. So like you, you know, outside of your division, you play a division in your, in your conference, which is the NFC North. Again, a a softie. You play the AFC South, which everyone in this division does. So it's a a softie. And then you, you play someone who got the same place as you in the, what one division across in the different conference and two in yours that you aren't playing the total conference total division of which would be the south and east and you get the falcons and eagles yep. and Bengals. you want to so look at the toughest wanna... part yeah it's your division and the packers this is the easiest schedule that i see on on all 32 i think i have this a is, second this is my easiest schedule and some of it's sequencing some of it is um opponents it's a it's a blended uh, they really don't have any disadvantage spots except for that one tiny one home against Arizona. Um, don't love having to go at Seattle and play in prime time, but that's one of two games you're an underdog. 
one of two. And oh, by the way, the two games you're an underdog, one of them is by one and a half points, one of them is by three. Okay. Uh, you're favored in 14 of your 17 games. You're a pick them at Arizona, which seems insane to me as I sit here and think about it now, but that's what the look ahead line says. Um, you are. So is it really are, a travel spot if you played there four times last year? <laughs> it's your house. <laughs> yeah. Although you, yeah, you did, you, you won there. You beat them in their house. You, you beat, beat them. In your, you beat in them. House. You lost to everybody yeah. else. You know, lost everybody Washington else. was yeah. streaking at the time. And a couple Buffalo, of games, a Buffalo beat everyone. Yeah. So yeah. yeah what are you, what are you going to do? Beat Buffalo um, with, with your B squad and yeah, the ramp. Yeah. And again, real quick, before we go through the stuff, what is your percentage chance that the week 18 game and let's pretend it matters let's pretend this game matters to both teams whether it's position playoff positioning or getting in what are your odds that the san francisco 49ers are favored or at least to pick them in that game by the time we get to about 55 percent. yeah it's it's up there yeah that's kind of right i think it's high i was gonna say 65 i'd say it's high I'd say it's pretty high, uh, and and I'm I am specifically factoring in the idea that uh, average injuries happen to both teams. The Rams are going to be substantially um, worse off from a power rating standpoint than the Niners, just based on. I mean, not that the Niners are especially deep, but just that Shan, you know Shanahan has proven he can compete with uh, you know this a couple of second you know second string guys. Um, even crazier though than the fact that you're favored in 14 games. You're favored by more than a field goal in 12 games. <laughs> That's bullish. I mean, that is, uh, and again, again, this is this is not to say that the market is like crazy high on them from a power rating standpoint. Um, right now, their power rating, uh, if you... And again, um, there's a Green Bay game in here, so yeah. that number is a little different, but they're still, you know, they're still favored. They're basically even with Green Bay based on my yeah. updated power rankings. Um, but uh, this team is the seventh power rated team in the NFL right now, uh, just behind the um, Baltimore Ravens, just ahead of the Cleveland Browns. That's pretty high. Um, three and a half points better than an average team on a neutral field based on the market. They are expected to have the 13th best offense and the number one defense. Ooh. What's your what's your position to neutral? Uh, I am four points over average. You're five. Wow. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. So we're a little higher on these guys in the market. Um, you're maybe a lot higher. I know. I mean, the difference between three and a half and five actually is kind of tiny. It's not. It it's not out. big, but we are higher um, than the market and. Again, then real. That's only about that's only about a Pythag of three. Per, three that's only bad. a three percent Pythag, by the way, to go from three and a half to five. Did you know that? I do now. No, sixty-two percent gets you to, to three and a half. Sixty-five percent gets you to five. Hit me with the math, but yeah, the no. they are doing the. I'm thinking that green highlight box is a planned trip to the East Coast, where they don't travel back to San Fran. Am I right? Uh, that is exactly correct. And I mean, two years, we have, two, we have, we have, a, we, have, have we have a, uh, the Greenbrier in West Virginia is, uh, Again, is the, the locale Briar. this year. Yeah. Um, in the last two seasons, this has been a very positive thing for this team. And it's kind of, obviously this is a tiny, tiny, tiny sample size, but we have this random 
tiny sample size of good coaches making this decision to stay local when they go across the country, when they have back-to-back weeks across the country. Belichick did it a million years ago when the Patriots had like four road games in one season against the Oakland Raiders, the Niners, the Seattle Seahawks, and I want to say it was the Chargers or something, right? They had four four road games in the West Coast, and they clustered them, and they stayed West both times, and they got great performances on the second of those back-to-backs because they basically had a, a no – bullshit week of practice <laughs> no uh no distractions no day-to-day life stuff no like actually being a human you were just a football robot for that whole week as you had sort of like a a concentrated mini camp for lack of a better term in the week leading up to that game and then we didn't see many other teams take advantage of this over the years i kind of forgot about it even being an angle and then uh, the niners um pulled it pulled this rabbit out of their hat two years ago the year that they went to the super bowl and uh, they did it between weeks one and week two. I want to say they played week one in Miami, week two in Cincinnati. They stayed in Youngstown in between. And oh, I can't tell you, was. I can't tell you if I've ever seen a sharper performance by any team in any week than we saw from that San Francisco 49ers team in week two. They performed at the 100th percentile in every facet of the game. They it were was like incredible. minus one. 99. Yeah, yes. they were minus no, one. And <laughs> how do you know? Because you. Laid it with the Bengals. the Bengals, yeah. Um, to put them, I, I think the Bengals might have closed favorites in that one. Don't I think don't, I took a Bengals money right. line at like plus one hundred five or something? Mm. But yeah, the, yeah. That smart move, obviously, by a smart coach and a smart team, smart GM. Yep. Um, twice they get opponents off roadies, off back to back roadies. Their buy is off. Their buy is at home, which is nice. A couple of East Coast games, but again, it's at Chicago, at Jacksonville, at Cincy. So those East Coast time zone or Central for a couple of them, but traveling for early games in the East and Central are all against lower-end teams. Kind of mitigates that. You get Arizona off a Thursday. You get yourself off a Thursday playing a terrible Houston team, which should be a terrible Houston team. So not much for, uh, along with the soft schedule, not much for disadvantaged spots as well. Even the disadvantaged spots are mitigated by low-end opponents. So maybe I should move this up to the easiest schedule in the world. And God, I didn't do a win total Wednesday today, but maybe it should be. Niners over 10 and a half or what what is there? Let, let's get to the odds. Let's take a look at the odds. It is yeah, it is 10 and a half. They gave them they gave them some respect here, especially and you can say, oh, well, that's a lot because they only won six games. But again, context, context, context. They only won six games because of the craziest, you know, charger-esque injury luck. So if you can find a flat 10 with decent juice, I feel like that pushes an awful lot. And you're probably getting into the 11, 12, 13. What, what's their ceiling if the quarterback situation works out, Drew, with this schedule? Oh, Let's 14 Green and Bay's three. A, Green, Green Bay's a real tough Four, out. 14 and 3, 15 and 2, honestly. Yeah, they can win a shitload of games. I like this team. I feel like I don't know what to do with them, though, because it's like the quarterback situation is keeping me away from the Super Bowl odds. Like, it, what if Jimmy G comes out and just stinks to the Super Bowl? Do we see 20 to one to win a Super Bowl? Do we see eight, 10 to one to win the NFC? Um, I guess some of that depends probably on how Tampa and Green Bay come out and look right away. But this is a, a team I'm going to be monitoring the markets pretty closely on because I'm going to 
I'm going to be betting on them at some point if uh, if I'm allowed on these numbers. And I might still add this regular season win total now that I've gone over the schedule again. Yeah, that's really the key here. Um, thus that they they are set up they are set up to bounce from a very disappointing 2020. Um, I did not play the Super Bowl or the NFC at 12 to one and six to one. And some might ask, oh, that's because you're using the strategy of building a portfolio and you're going to wait and try to scoop them at some better time this season. I don't know that there's going to be a better time than now, but I don't want it. And it comes down to inexperience at the quarterback position come playoff time. Um, I think there is a very, you you made the question of like, oh, what are the chances Jimmy G gets through the season healthy, blah, blah. I mean, it is very low that he plays 17 games and is the captain of this team on, in, in the playoffs, in my opinion. I think this is any bet made on the Niners to do anything in the NFC or the Super Bowl is betting that Trey Lance does something in the playoffs in his first ever go. Yeah, and then we're betting a rookie, a rookie in the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I guess what? Sometimes rookies look great in the playoffs. Pat Mahomes looked great in the playoffs in his first ever go of it. The first year he was the starter, he was the MVP of the league, and he made it to hosting the AFC title game, and he couldn't get it done. <laughs> that is uh, how difficult it is when you are the first and you're going up against the likes of Tom Brady, who has been who has done it so many times. When you're going up against the likes of Aaron Rodgers, who has been here a lot. Like those are the idea that you're going to get a pretty favorable price on San Francisco if you want it in those two matchups. I think is high. Right. So realistically, if you see something, if you see a matchup advantage for the Niners that you think will manifest come playoffs, you're going to be able to bet them in those games. You don't have to have a ticket in the six to one, 12 to one range to make money on this team in the playoffs. Your rollover you might see be, <laughs> right. Your rollover might be 10 to one for the, AFC. they're not getting the one seed. They're not beating out Tampa for the one seed. In my opinion, it's possible, but I don't think it's happening. Um, which means they're going to have to win three playoff games and it's going to be Trey Lance's first ever big show. That doesn't mean fade Trey Lance in those spots. It just means I'm not willing to hold numbers that are this low on a team that you're counting on that much of an outlier performance from someone with zero experience. So it's a pass for me. Yeah, it's just, it is hard to back a rookie in the playoffs. So maybe I'm waiting and looking for a better price to win the, division maybe i'm waiting to look for a lance price and maybe i'm gonna be backing this team in the playoffs against because he'll got him i'm looking at this now so it's 14 plus how many championship games do you think rogers has been to he has been to four he is four one and three and one yeah he won one so he yeah, lost two he <laughs> lost two on the road and one at home so yeah, Brady and Rodgers have 18 conference championship game appearances and you you might be starting a rookie. Yeah. Uh, maybe and I they just were rather both, And they were both in the conference championship last year, so it's not even really like they've been that far removed. <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, maybe we just look to bet them against the spread in the playoffs. That's so. I think you're going to get a good price, honestly. I do. If and that's even if you want if, if you want it at that time. Um like I like and again, this might be con- you know, some confirmation bias at play here. But the way that the Niners hand, handled the Packers so effortlessly two years ago, 
two years NFC ago. title game. I, I am forever like looking for an opportunity to back back San Francisco against the Packers because it's not a fair fight. <laughs> it's just not. And uh, some of that is because of the scheme that the Packers run defensively. Some of it's personnel. Um, but, uh, you know, the Kyle Shanahan knows how to put those guys on their damn heels. And, um, you know, you might get a very favorable price to back San Francisco against the against green Bay in these playoffs. It's could happen. Yeah. All right. So close the book, tie the bow on them. And I'll talk again about <laughs> where we'll put a bow. today. Anyone who missed it Monday, we'll be out in Vegas next weekend. We'll be signing up for the circuit super contest. I'll be doing the Friday show with Mo live from somewhere we'll be doing some live shows out there we'll be live from vegas for all the shows we do and friday night you can hang out with us if you're out there literally the only all you have to do is download the prize picks and make a deposit using our promo code like 25 bucks in there and then i'll buy drinks for you for what 4 30 to 7 30 p.m three hours of free drinks uh we've we and we've invited people we've got people from vsin we've got people from Dude. circa We've got people from um, the WinBet. We've got yeah. uh, a couple bookmakers. We've got some just several handicappers. Patrick's coming. Yeah, Patrick. Patrick from the chat will be there. Like it's yeah. gonna be, it's gonna be a nice, cool hangout, and we'll buy uh, your drinks. So I, I, you know what, I gotta just take a real quick aside. The um, the positive response that I've gotten from the people that we've personally invited has been, uh, it's oh, been heartwarming. Same. It's been yeah, awesome. Like people, like I've been like, you know, there's a lot to do in Vegas on a Friday night. <laughs> there's a lot. <laughs> and I was like, you know, I don't want to be an imposition, but we'd love to see you. And people are just like, oh, I'll be there on the calendar. Can't wait to be it. Can't, it this, you know, the, the response has been like, it's been glowing yeah. and uh, I could not be. That's why we did it 430 to 730. Cause there's a lot to do on a Vegas Friday night. So we try to catch them early <laughs> before the real nightlife starts, get them, get them loosened up before we go out for the evening. Who knows where the evening will take us. Cause I don't have much to do on Saturday, but yes. And again, if you have any questions about how this works, literally you can DM me. My DMS are open. If you were wondering how to get your price fix account and fund it and get your, that's your ticket in. You can come hang out with all of us and drink. And if not, you know, if that doesn't work out and you're out there, you can, you know, we'll be drinking all weekend. I'll see you Saturday maybe, but I would encourage you to do this because it'd be a lot of fun. And again, the Rams, the final team. Hey, uh, yeah, let's do this. Uh, did you, um, did you play the under in uh, UAB Jacksonville State? Yeah. Can you tell me where that game's being played? The, not the city, but the venue. Uh, is it not being played at the Jaguars T-I-A-A-F Cref Arena? T-I-A-A America? I've, I've heard it's at the Crampton Bowl. Is it really? Oh. That's, what some, that's what this live line says. The Crampton Bowl in Montgomery, <laughs> Alabama. The Crampton Bowl? I thought it was in, yeah. uh, I thought Jacksonville State was hosting. I don't know, no. man. Anyway. The Rams season. Okay. They were the best defense last year. Honestly, like based on my stuff, 
They led and they led the league in the lowest score as far as fewest points allowed. It was a good team. They just didn't have enough. Like, and again, we talked about this with the Seahawks episode. We were fine looking at that and being like, well, they're not going to beat the Seahawks. And they didn't. Or excuse me, this other way around. They did beat the Seahawks. When we got to the Packers, it was like, you know, a goodbye, Irene. And I'm trying to think of how much they won that by. It feels like it was at least double digits. But then the Packers were good last year. Golf, I guess we'd seen enough of him if you're that coach. And McVay said, I'm going to trade. It was uh, surprising, I guess. But I think it was another thing like the Jimmy. It's not that dissimilar to the Jimmy G thing where they went out and got a quarterback high in the draft when you have a starter who was in the Super Bowl two years ago. We didn't even mention that. The last time a team drafted a quarterback in the first round that close to winning a Super Bowl was like the – I think it was the – if you, you throw, out the, throw out the Broncos because Peyton Manning retired, but it was the Bears in like 87 after winning the Super Bowl. And Jim McMahon was not what made that team go. So – it was an odd move, and this was – maybe this one was probably more expected. I think everybody kind of knew McVeigh was frustrated with the limitations of the golf. And yeah, I know. I, mean, I didn't think they were going to move as... on from McMahon. <laughs> Did you, are you talking about the Bears? <laughs> yeah. You, you probably – you're old. You probably remember that team. I barely remember the 27 series. Um, but, yeah, that was the same year. Anyway – I will say, because we're going to kind of dog on this team a little, and we're not as high on this team as the market, but they clearly, clearly have an upgraded quarterback, especially based off some of the stuff we saw from Goff at certain times last year. That's my biggest takeaway from last year is, like, a defense is nice, and a good coach is nice, but if you don't have a quarterback who can who can carry you to, you know, what would they win in last year? So, uh... again, they lost. Yeah, the Niners. The Niners were beat. They the beat up 49ers twice. We lost to the Mets. You know they had the Wolford game too, I suppose. But uh, the they Seahawks had two schedule. They had two scheduled the losses in the first half of the season, which was tough. Yeah, the, um, the loss the, to the Bills. The Bills game. Was the Bills game loss. at Bills was tough. That was a scheduled loss. You got to go Eagles, Bills back to back, and you didn't. You don't stay on the East Coast. That's that's tough. And honestly, the fact that they made that a three point game, um, that changed my power ranking on this team. Like in, even in not covering, I think I had Bills minus two and a half in that one. Um, but the Rams came hard in that second half, and that really kind of shaped my opinion of both those teams over the first half of the season. Um, but then the loss to the Dolphins week eight was just a wild one. You know that they. The, that was their one, two, three, fourth trip July. east, fourth trip east in in seven weeks. Um, you know how hard that is? <laughs> That's hard. And it showed because they fumbled, I think, and gave up fumble sixes twice or three times in the first half of that game. Um, not how you want to end the first half of your season heading into your bye, but uh, nonetheless, they came out of their bye and they got an impressive win against the Seahawks. They got an even more impressive win at the Buccaneers in primetime on Monday night, yeah. uh, followed by getting their pants pulled down again by uh, Kyle Shanahan, a, a notable theme of the Sean McVay regime, to be honest. Um, but then that, that was wins. a weird time for Tampa with us. Like we were just, oh, yeah. every week we had so we weird. just 
we were really, really having a problem putting a pin into where Tampa was at that point. That Tampa just help. bizarrely suspect in primetime games last year. I never figured out what was going on with that. It took them until the Super Bowl to perform well in a primetime game. Um, the, uh, the, the, the remaining schedule was, it was, it was a lackluster finale that you mentioned the Jets loss was, that was an earned loss. <laughs> they were, they should have lost that game based on the way they played. Um, even though the Jets were an absolute afterthought at that point in time, and you were fighting for a division title still. And that basically took you out of the race. The Seahawks that lost the next week sealed the deal. Um, and then it was the John Wolford show <laughs> uh, against the Cardinals. Um, but your wild card win against the Seahawks really, in my opinion, this that win and the fact that it happened in the playoffs really crystallized the market rating on this Rams team into this season. Would you agree with that? The fact that they yeah, were six-point uh, dogs in Seattle and won outright, and won outright convincingly against the Seahawks, I feel like really made people sit up and be like, you know what? Rams are good. And in fact, people went back to the window and they bet the Rams the next week in Green Bay on the basis of how good they played against the Seahawks. Of course, they lost that game convincingly to Green Bay. But I feel like the, the playoff win you know, really has kind of made people establish their prior pretty soundly on this Rams team. Would you agree? Yeah. And again, so much, so much depends on, it just feels like the 18 bears where it's like the defense is doing so much to hide the rest of what's going on with this team, the slow dissolving of the offense oh exactly i i don't have the stat in front of me i might pull up the game book on this one they sacked they sacked wilson a bunch and he's tough to sack get them but like i feel like donald had a couple and maybe a dn had a couple it's it was a really good performance by the defense because like again the the wolford thing was never gonna be oh my god wolford you know and when the defense does that sort of thing, it feels like you forget about it, especially when you see that many points on the scoreboard and you go look at like, Oh, they put up 30. Like we just go look at that. Look at that later on. It's like, Oh, that was, that was just a, you know, really good performance by the Rams. And you don't think about exactly what happened. And that was the, the golf and Wolford game, the, the mix it up one that we talked about earlier. And God, I should. I need to find these sacks because I feel like Wilson got hit a lot. They sacked and, Wilson five times again, in Week 16 and five times again in Week 18. Yeah, there we go. So, oh, they, they, a, they oh, six a, six times in Week 10. So in total, they had 16 sacks on Russell Wilson in 2020. <laughs> it's a it's a good way to yeah it's a good way to keep him down and keep hitting him. Holy but shit, that's a lot again like hard 2018 bears vibes and with maybe without the crazy in turnover luck, but still like maybe just third down luck, not third down luck, just being so good at so many things and having so much good for you. It it hides a lot of problems. And, you know, uh, this is, this is a hard team for me to gauge because it's like, is this slide that I think the defense is going to take negated by the upgraded quarterback 
maybe. I don't know, like, if that's going to be a big thing for me. This this team maybe has the widest range of outcomes for me in the division. Because mm-hmm. I, I, like, I do like, I do like, I do like Stafford, and I like the coaching staff. But if the Stafford thing just doesn't gel right away, 10 and 6, yeah, it might be a better year out of these two. Yeah. Uh, this, this could go sideways. Well, let's let's hang on to our our real evaluation for a second here. And I just want to put a I, I did the math, an exclamation point yeah, I got way on your um on your Russell Wilson point there. Russell Wilson was sacked 47 times and the Rams had 16 of those. Rams accounted for 34% of the sacks on Russell Wilson over three games on his entire schedule. That's absolutely that's, a nice share. In, that's insanity. That's insanity. Um, the, uh, the 2020 season for the Rams was a, was kind of a failure ultimately, because even though they get to the second round of the playoffs, they never realistically had a chance to win the Super Bowl. They needed to be more, uh, they need to be closer to the top of the standings, get some home games, get, uh, maybe get the bye. Um, and the fact that they had to go on the road to green Bay was obviously not good. Even if they got the win in green Bay, they were gonna have to go on the road to Tampa Bay for the NFC title game and beat Tom Brady. So, you know, it was, it was a, it was, they set themselves up. They, 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 they made it harder, harder on themselves than it had to be getting the sixth seed to begin with. And this was a team that was again, kind of constructed around stars and scrubs and your stars stayed healthy. So you got a good year out of your plan. Like you literally like this, our plan is we have a stars and scrubs roster. Our, our fingers are crossed. The two things will happen that our stars will stay healthy and that our scrubs will actually perform better than we expect. And both of those things happened. The problem was your quarterback took a, another step backwards and it was a quarterback that you invested a ton of money into. Um, and so now your hands were tied. And, and honestly, like if you, if you told me before the season, like, Hey, you're going to have a playoff win this year and you know, you'll be in the mix. Some people will think you have a chance and Oh, by the way, you're eating an enormous cap, you know, cap shit sandwich of, from Todd Gurley. Like, yeah. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. Let's get through this. Like we could do this. Well, now you get another one with Jared Goff's you know, situation um, and you yeah. ship him to Detroit, you have to give up more assets to do it. And so now you have basically, you know, leveraged numerous years in a row where you have traded away your entire draft for proven players. And you have to do it again uh, to upgrade your quarterback position. And, you know, when we move now into the off season and we talk about the upgrade to the quarterback, I don't want to spend too much time on this, uh, now because we're going to come, you know, we have a whole segment <laughs> dedicated to it in a minute. Um, but it was clear that they needed to do something and they acted decisively and they got a guy that has a chance to have sort of a, uh, you know, a career renaissance, never realistic, no, never really, you know, uh, realized his potential in Detroit. Um, don't think he ever won a playoff game, even though I think he was in three, he lost to the Saints and the he unfairly lost to the Cowboys because of a very unfortunate penalty towards the end of that game that was picked up, even though it was a very clear penalty. Um, am I forgetting a, a playoff win? Did he lose to the Eagles too? I think he was 0-3 in the playoffs just off the top of my head for Matt Stafford. Do you remember? Without fact-checking, that sounds very right for the for the Lions. And it's funny how you mentioned the Rams, like, Hey, you got to the playoffs and you don't have a chance to win the Super Bowl. 
like anytime the Lions got to the playoffs in like the last 25 years, that was the same thing. It's like, hey, you're here. Cool. Like, uh, you staying for one week or two this year. Like, it just, yeah, I, I'm not even sure if two was something that actually happened, but they, yeah, it's been, it's been rough sledding up in Detroit for quite a while. And yep. three playoff appearances. They had some. They had some good. They had a good quarterback. They had some pretty good receivers. They just the coaching, the the scheming, and everything else didn't work out right. But yeah, yeah not a. Is there anything really else to hit on outside on changes outside of the the trade? Maybe the the defensive losses, but I kind of want to leave that for later too. So yeah, I mean, should we should we just well, really who was at it? The draft. <laughs> Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, Deshaun Jackson, but that's and, and you added somebody no. that you're going to put into an injured reserve slot, so uh, good job, I guess. Um, the um, real quick on to, to close the book on Stafford's playoff history, he made the playoffs three independent years 2011, 2014, 2016. Um, all three times he was a wild card, so he was on the road at New Orleans, he lost playing a great game to New Orleans uh, in the dome. He went on the road against Dallas. He lost playing a good game. Uh, again, not not a fair loss in my opinion. Um, and then uh, his third playoff appearance was an embarrassing defeat at the hands of the Seahawks, also on the road. So he, uh, you know, we haven't really seen him what he can do. You know, when in in the under the bright lights, uh, because all three times he was number one on the Lions, so he was already at a disadvantage. And number two, he was on the road. So. Um, you know, he may be the answer to kind of get McVay back into the winner's circle, uh, take him back to the Super Bowl, but uh, not on this team, not this year, in my opinion. So let's talk yeah. more, a little bit more about the the quarterback upgrade, I guess. Oh, actually, no, sorry. Oh yeah, no, we had we we doubled down because defensive coaching attrition we have is a whole segment, and that was all the. Options. Yeah, let, let, let's let's get into the defense. Let's yeah. kind of just. Let's, yeah, let's, let's go. Let's keep going. Let's the, keep going. Work out the Stafford thing first. And like I said, right off the bat, likely, uh, likely an upgrade, almost certainly likely an upgrade. And I want you to poke holes in that. Like High, higher floor, right? Like, yeah. You, you mentioned like the, the bright lights and like playing in a different, learning a new, you know, new coach, new, new city, big city, not, uh, I guess it's still indoors. Yeah. But, um, I mean, what, what goes wrong here? Poke some holes in this being an upgrade. Yeah. Um, I completely I don't have a lot for that. that. Completely agree that Stafford has a higher floor than Jared Goff. Okay. Um, completely agree that Stafford has a higher ceiling than Jared Goff. He is about the same distribution quarterback, but shifted up the ladder. Goff was never getting you above probably top 10. Um, you know, 10th. He was never breaking clearly into the top 10, especially considering how good quarterback play is getting now with the younger guys who have come into this league. Goff probably was never again cracking the top 10. Stafford still could. Um, Goff almost certainly under pressure. If anything happened to your offensive line, you had no chance. He was, he was, he was giving you nothing. Stafford at least has a little bit more mobility, a little bit more, uh, you know, kind of gunslinger nature, you know, a little more Brett Favre in him, you know, and, and just making a play down the field out of structure, um, which Goff does not the, um, the other, but the, the potential problem, the poking the hole is. Stafford's not the healthiest guy. 
he's he's not able to avoid the injury. And I know that that maybe seems silly to say that that's a skill and it's not random and it's not luck or whatever, but his underlying things compound. They compound. He's not young, but he, he manages to find his way into trouble from an injury standpoint year in, year out the last handful of years. Do you want to, um, do you want to guess for me, uh, how many of first of all how many years has stafford played 11. Ooh, i think you're correct exactly 11. i thought you were going to oh, be a, a little 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 shy or a little high um he has played all 16 games um quite a few times actually uh however he has been on the injury report for multiple weeks uh in the last uh, four years, he has spent extended time on the injury report, and he missed half of the season two seasons ago, uh, where he was in his age thirty-one season. So, um, what was that? A back injury too? Do you remember? I think it was a back. That's not great. My back hurts sometimes, man. You yeah. don't want long-term back injury. That's not. Great. Here's a little more cold water. You ready? Okay. My grade for Stafford peaked in his age twenty-three season in twenty eleven. And it has been flat since 2011 through his last year that he made the playoffs. Flat, but and, where was that average grade uh, relative to neutral or relative to the league? Like t- between like 10, like, like right at 10th, basically. Flat, he's been flat, the 10th, but good. He's been the 10th best quarterback for ever. Okay. We've been going to the same party for 10 years. Yes, exactly. Like Until... His age 30 season in 2018, he dipped. His age 29 season, he dipped even more. Against a bunch of that was because of injury. Uh, and then last year, he really only got back up to 2018 form. He did not return to his top 10 uh, value that we saw from 2011 to 2017. So I guess what I'm saying is I will not be shocked if we saw the best of Stafford, even though it was with a worse coach and a worse team potentially yeah all right I won't be well shocked. let's it's 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 enough cold water to help out the next one because the real cold water we're going to throw is during the defense and coaching attrition like it, i wanted you to poke some holes it's kind of it's a game we play offline sometimes we did this remember we did it with the browns like oh, right away before we started these like poke poking mm-hmm. holes and why something could go wrong is probably a good exercise i don't know i, you I know, do that with every how, bet i try to how, I try to make a case for the bet against me how different is the career of matthew stafford from the career of philip rivers boy not like stafford said the f word probably like that's it <laughs> i guess philip rivers had philip rivers had a lot of good seasons after his uh after his age 32 season. So there's some hope. Yeah, that if there's some, there's some hope that you get another five years out of Stafford in LA yeah, and that you can build around him. but you're going to have to do it without draft picks. Cause you gave them all away already. <laughs> that is, that is the other part that again, we talked about additions. Your first, your first pick was 57th overall two two Atwell wide receiver Louisville. You did have a bunch of picks, but a lot of them were on that third day. You're only, like we said, the only other addition was Deshaun Jackson. 
he didn't do a lot to shore up this defense. And if it's going to be stars and scrubs, it's getting close. We're getting close to losing that S on stars and scrubs. We're like one player away from calling it Aaron Donald is a star and scrubs. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how you feel about Leonard Floyd, I guess, but. I mean, I like Jalen Ramsey, but yeah, I know what you mean. Um, no, 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 no. I'm I'm talking about Jalen Ramsey being the other player. I, oh, be Leonard Floyd. Yeah, yeah, Leonard yeah. Floyd would be. I hate. I don't possi- like Floyd. I possible third if you like him, but I think he's. I think we've seen the best of him. He's not on my first page of D linemen in terms of value. Um, Where do you have Micah Kaiser? Uh, I can tell you in a second, but I wanted to make a quick point before moving on sure. about the draft choices. So you mentioned they only had Tutu Atwell this last year, really, in the first two rounds. The previous year, they only had Van Jefferson, right? Yeah. This is two years in a row now where they have effectively abstained from taking talent in the top two rounds. Give me a qualitative grade on how good last year's draft was and how good this year's draft is. A? A plus. I mean, these were two of the most talented college drafts that I can remember in all of my oh, years. Overall draft. Overall but strength of the draft. Not, not only that, but last year was one of the most talented wide receiver crops in a while. And not only yeah. just the first rounders, but down into the third round, there were some really good players. And then this one as well, like especially in some <clears throat> in some of your weaker spots, you know, some of the spots that you needed to backfill and fix and you know, get better so you could, you know, improve. And really, they, they don't have a – I don't know where I'd put their massive weakness because I don't give a shit about running backs all that much. But, like, getting a high-end receiver changes the outlook of this team. Like, get, having a first-rounder to take any of those first – any of those receivers over the last two years would have been real cool. Having, a you know, anything that you could have put towards the offensive line also would have been real cool. But yeah, you you were stuck taking kind of the scraps in the second, and you, you didn't really hit on it. Van Jefferson, I'm not going to shit on the guy, but he's certainly not of of some of the other names that went last year. And I don't know much about Tutu Atwell. I watched a lot of ACC ball because it was sucked last year. But um, yeah, I'm not I'm not expecting that to be a, a anything but depth really at this point. So. You didn't do much to improve the team through the draft, I guess. And really, you didn't make many moves. You ended up just losing a few guys here and there off the defense. You lost some defensive depth. You lost some defensive secondary. So, yeah, like not taking advantage of two pretty thick quality drafts hurts even more. Yeah. And to kind of go back now and put a, put a finer point on your question, Leonard Floyd, I, have, I do have Leonard Floyd better than replacement level. He is yeah, he's still that. okay. Yeah, he, he's, he's not a he star. He, he's not a star, but he's better than replacement level. Micah Kaiser, I have a squarely replacement level. Um, why do you have some greater insight on Micah Kaiser? No, I just was trying to come up with like one more guy that I thought was okay. And I mean, there's I, a couple somebody that, that some I, I like Micah Kaiser better than Terrell Lewis, and it looks like Terrell Lewis might have an important role on this, uh, uh on this team. Yeah, Although like, actually he's been moved down the depth chart, so man, I may take that back. I think that maybe is a good move down the depth chart for him. Uh, let me look sure. at the will here, Justin Hollins. Uh, so, Justin Hollins. Yeah, and as long as we're focusing on the defense, just opinion. How much did Staley matter? 
and a lot. Can somebody can somebody just step in and see if you have the talent? We because you say, well, you guys are talking out of both sides of your mouth now. You're not worried about losing the defensive coordinator in the Niners. It's because that has talent from here to Albuquerque, and me and Drew can coordinate that defense with. You know, I, I think honestly, like Ted Lasso, they just read some books on the plane. And they made a be aggressive. Board. Yeah, like just take, go out there and <laughs> go out there and do it, guys. But like when you are trying to make something like they have with the start and scrub approach work, you need a coach to pull that all together. And if Staley was the glue that made that happen, the straw that serves the drink, you could see massive defensive attrition, and the quarterback upgrade suddenly doesn't make a big bump, and you're just a nine-win team again. Yeah, I mean, we, we're making this point about Staley. I have high hopes for Staley and, and with the Chargers, but uh, it was more than even just Staley. I think they lost – I did the math, and I sent you the screenshot. I think they lost, like, six guys from the staff. Like, the attrition mm-hmm. to the coaching staff is being largely unlooked, overlooked, Underaccounted for, whatever, however you want to define that. Un- I would um, go with unlooked. Unlooked. It's been. It's unlooked being. It's, like it's being under. To be a word. It's being under evaluated in terms of what it could. Underreported, under evaluated in terms of what it might mean. Um, let me uh, let me tell you who is gone. The assistant head coach is gone. He is also the linebackers coach, Joe Barry. Uh, assistant to the head coach was fired, Bill Nays. Uh, passing game coordinator Shane Waldron is gone. He is now the OC for. Uh, you know, I forget. One. Is it? Uh, oh, it's uh, Seattle. He's in division. Yeah, we yeah, brought he lost him to to a competitor. Assistant quarterbacks coach Liam Cohen is gone. Running back running back coach Thomas Brown is gone. Running game coordinator Aaron Cromer is gone. Assistant offensive line uh, coach Andy Dickerson gone. Defensive coordinator Brandon Staley gone. Cornerbacks coach. Aubrey Pleasant gone. Now, some of those may have been voluntary, but a lot of those were you got you got poached. Um, and actually, I don't know if you remember, but this is an ongoing trend. Like, how many years in a row does Sean McVay's staff get raided? Like, literally, the rest of the NFL treats his staff as uh, you know the the minor leagues for their coaching staffs, and they go and pick through these guys and hire them every year. And at some point, that's going to it's going to matter. It has to, and it may impact the game week to week preparation. It may impact the overall just the defense itself. Because you're right, my defensive rating on this team was the clear number one in the NFL last year. They had a decent gap between the number two defense, who is the Pittsburgh Steelers, very very close by the way between Steelers, Saints, and Ravens is my number two, three, and four defenses. Um, but uh, but yeah, this Rams defense, the likelihood that they finish number one again, considering all of the turnover to the uh, coaching staff alone is serious. And then we're not even talking about the players that they lost in the secondary. And speaking, you want to talk about, you know, beating a consistent drum here, having a consistent message. If I love the fact that the Browns went out and got uh, Troy Hill and, um, and Johnson, then I have to factor that into the fact that the Rams lost those guys. Like those guys were freaking awesome down the stretch last year. They were huge, huge part of this team. In fact, a, across my ratings, I had them as the number three and number four most valuable Rams overall after Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey, and they're gone. So this is potentially a huge problem, uh, and you're going to have to coach the hell up out of the guys that have taken their places. 
um, because it is going to be a lot to ask for, you know, the likes of, uh, uh, let me look who's on the depth chart right now. Darius Williams, Robert Rochelle, uh, David Long. That's it. Those are the only other three guys that you have who are cornerbacks on this roster after Jalen Ramsey. Um, and if you can tell me any of those guys right now are better than replacement level, then I will, I will do some serious digging, but I do not think I will get there. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. And I mentioned that the secondary, while it's not, it's hard to say, oh, it's a huge weakness when you still have Jalen Ramsey, but it still might be outside of that. And more than, more than a lot of different things, maybe comparable to an offensive line, you can't just have one really good defender because it's, it's very easy to, oh, you have a really, really, really good high-end left tackle. Like our pass rush is going to go elsewhere. And the same thing goes like, oh, you have a really good cornerback. Yeah, you can shadow one of our receivers. And that sucks a little if you follow our best receiver around. But we can we can go elsewhere with the ball. We can throw away from him. We can scheme him out a little. Like, it is a, it is a unit. So that's a, that's a bit of an issue, I guess. I should actually correct about I, – I slandered Darius Williams. Looking at my rankings again a little bit more closely. I had Darius Williams right there neck and neck with Johnson and Hill in terms of impact players in the secondary. So at least you got two guys still. But the depth is still a problem. Who's playing who's playing nickel slot for you? Uh, you know, who's playing nickel cornerback for you? Who's uh who's who's stepping in if something happens to either Williams or Ramsey? And realistically, a lot of the guys, it's possible that my ratings on these Rams from last year is skewed by the fact that Ramsey took away an, an entire half of the field. Um and that's yeah, I, I acknowledge that. Like, if you have somebody that's that dynamic in coverage, you can absolutely, uh, you know, you can absolutely make other players look good. And that may come back to bite me in the ass because I'm bullish as hell on the Browns. Um, but the, um, uh, you know, the 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 depth here is kind of the trump card, even over the dearth of frontline talent across this defense, um, and. I think the deeper we go into the season, the more and more likely it is that um, that becomes an issue. Sure. Yeah, we are a little down. I do love, I love getting a quarterback upgrade always, but I'm a little cautiously optimistic. Cautiously, what's the opposite? There needs to be a word that's not optimistic or pessimistic. That's not agnostic, just cautiously agnostic. I'm going to say it anyway, so. Kind of middle of the road on this team. I don't. I don't think we reach greater heights, but I don't think this team falls off a cliff. So we are doing it on Wednesday, but it's kind of what we want to save to last. So should we should we peek at their schedule and see what yes. awaits this team this year? Let's do it. They are again facing similar schedule. It's actually again an easy-ish schedule because of the teams that you're going to face based on the fact that you get to face some of these divisions and you know that things are going to go a little better for oh, you there but at the same see, time ad you got the thesaurus out and he just destroying you over here ambivalent oh apathetic stoic that those are all excellent, excellent stoic stoic would have been a good one agnostic um, yeah so and the the thing too is now we mentioned you know you play your division you play one division in your conference. You play one division outside of your conference. And you have three more games that get added on. 
and those are matched up to where you finished in the division. So the Rams were were the Rams second? They were second, yes. They were second. So you finished second in the division. So you don't have a first place schedule. The issue is you drew the AFC North and the NFC South. Arguably the two best second place teams in the Ravens and Bucks. So you didn't get you don't get the yeah. uh, Saints, you get the Bucks instead. So by getting that second and again you get the Giants, I guess whatever, but you you do end up with the That's Ravens, true. Bucks, Packers and your division. So Yeah, it's uh it's easy-ish still, but it's still there's some high-end teams on there. Yeah. And again, the uh, some of the there are soft spots here. Absolutely. This team is going to win games. They may be in the playoff mix. I I will not deny them this, but all it will take is a little bit of a ding to Stafford, an injury to one of the offensive skill position players who you are very. We didn't even mention them, but that's a thin group too. Uh, you know, you have you have Woods Cup uh, and and <laughs> counting on a lot from Tyler Higby, I guess. Um, Van Jefferson going to make a huge leap this year? I don't know. Um, you know, any one of those guys goes down, you're going to absolutely be in a difficult spot in terms of even making your upgrade a quarterback worthwhile. Uh, similarly, any injuries across your offensive line, uh, you're going to be putting in guys who have not shown to really be able to make it at the NFL level. So, um, and oh, by the way, you're already down your most important running back, and you had to trade, and you made a you gave away a, more assets Weird to bring in trade. Sonny Michelle. Uh, okay. I mean, I feel like you could have gotten that exact production out of a guy who probably just got cut yesterday, you know? Yeah, um, you should have just waited for this week when there are some guys out on the street deciding if they're going to get their real estate license or or, or play for the Rams. So, um, yeah, that's, again, yeah, there's a lot of downside here because they are, they're fragile. Our guy, uh, our guy plus EV would say it is a fragile team. They're not anti-fragile. They have they are quite fragile. Uh, they have quite a few things like just uh, stars and scrubs. You know, if they were hit with some sort of injury bug, a tenth of what happened to the Niners, they would be very fragile. And as you mentioned, it was the opposite of the Niners. Everybody kind of did stay healthy last year. So, and you know, you make fun of those receivers they have, but if you're Stafford, you're happy with Van Jefferson. Like it's it's better than the the Lions, arguably the worst wide receiver core in the country. So it's an upgrade for him, I guess, but it still might not be super fun. He does get a revenge spot versus Detroit. That'll be fun. They're a massive favorite there. There's some gimmies on here, like the Detroit oh, yeah. game. That Detroit Houston back to back. That's a nice little get right spot if you're if you're having a tough time at that point in the season. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's where too. That's where I say they don't have the lowest floor because there are some easier games on here, and you know the, the Chicago stuff right off the bat. Even Arizona at home, like you should get those. You should get those wins. You have a couple more that are just over a, a field goal. Like the floor isn't super low. I'm not getting in on a all totally or anything. Just uh, I'm kind of meh. You know what? I'm stoic. I'm uninspired on this team. <laughs> you're agnostic you're yeah. no 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 strong opinion okay um i want to be more on there i want to be more aggressive towards their under 
than uh, I was for sure a month ago. I mean, a month ago, I was basically like, well, they did upgrade the quarterback. You know, I was kind of where everybody else was like, hey, this is a team that won a playoff game last year and they just upgraded their quarterback position. How how bad could it be? And then you dig in more and more into what they lost in coaching and and some of the depth issues. Uh, and it becomes pretty obvious. This is a team you don't want to get involved with in the futures market, in my opinion. And they have a long tail to the under because of their fragile nature, uh, as you would put it. The um, other thing about this team is there's a lot. The, 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 the fact that they have such a high market rating in general, I think is going to play to my advantage it's week by week. Right. So really, instead of going too heavily into um, their wins total under or playoff no or anything like that i really think just betting against them when the when the situation arises is the right attack right betting on tampa bay week three if it's near pickham is going to be super fun betting on seattle week five uh in you know in that rocking stadium uh at near pickham is going to be fun lumen field i bet the under against chicago bears week one largely because i think that we can expect this defense is going to be healthy and these, they're going to be going up against Andy Dalton playing behind no offensive line. Like that's a nice matchup right there, you know, and there's going to be opportunities to take advantage of the strengths of this team when they're healthy. And there's going to be opportunities to pretty much, uh, you know, to attack them, I think in the point spread or on the total as we go through the season. Um, you know, it's, it's uh, I, it's, I don't want to be, super reductive and say this is like what's different about this team than the best Lions team Matthew Stafford was ever not ever on but I kind of feel like that's where we are like how, like what's better what tell me what is meaningfully better about this Rams team than the best Lions team with Jim Caldwell as coach and Dominican Sue on the D-line and uh you know Calvin Johnson catching passes I think I think I like some of those Lions teams better outside of the coach. <laughs> really, outside of the coach, they had some decent uh, they had some decent receiving cores. They drafted constantly drafted wide receivers, and yes, um, we we before the show we actually said which one of these teams should we do first, uh, Rams or Niners, because their odds are really closely together, and uh, it just doesn't make sense. So I mean spoiler alert we're not gonna bet on this team to win the super bowl we're not gonna bet any of these odds like the the under is steamed a little bit so i'm I'm a little worried about that but um yeah i'm not uh that super excited about getting involved with this team in, until i can start fading them if they have a good performance okay. they have shitty teams on their uh, like we mentioned a lot yeah they have a some, lot they have some auto wins on this schedule if they if stafford looks really good which is kind of what he can do he looks really good against a bad team and then they face a marginal or good team you're going to get some value like they're going to be a bet against team in situations like that i will not bet against this team with big spreads on with shitty teams i think this is enough of a coaching and quarterback advantage that they can take care of business against bad teams I'm, yeah, saying, I'm not I'm not laying the points either. Those are just stay away or look at the total. But uh, yeah, the, it's going to be a bet against or maybe some unders. If honestly, I'd, who's the best defense they're facing? Ooh, that's a good question. I said we uh, shit on the Bears a little, but it might be the Bears. That's, that's I, like I mean, it's the Niners, one, obviously, yeah. but like the Niners, outside yeah. of yeah, it's it's clearly the Niners. But the, oh, Tampa, Tampa's defense. 
Oh, I forgot Tampa's in there too. Yeah, yeah. I guess my my top two defenses I rake. Those would be the ones. But hey, they got to play against looking. some of the best. Hey, they got to play against a bunch of the best linebackers in the end in the NFL. <laughs> they got to play Fred Warner. They got to yep. play Bobby Wagner. They got to play Darius Leonard. They got to play Devin White and and uh, and Levante David combo. Uh, Blake Martinez, I have relatively high for the Giants. Um, we were we were high on the Giants sort of as far as the defense they that's wild pieces. that's wild that we just went through completely off the cuff on the linebacker thing they got to play uh Brooklyn Swift. smith Brooklyn smith is my fourth best linebacker they, like literally like the top 10 linebackers in my ratings are almost all on this ram schedule that's bizarre i need to do um, a research project on matthew stafford versus good linebackers yeah and... so fade the rams running game i think is where i'm at here sure um, all right let's pull up let's pull up the odds and Fade the tight end too. Shut the shut the page. I'm trying to think of other ways to say that. Where's AD now? Put a bow on. Close the book. <laughs> Finish the sentence. Um. Yeah. Twelve to one. Six to one. Two. Tie to a ribbon one, around. Super Bowl. Super Bowl. No, that's that's a. Song. Is that a thing? That's what you did. You know, around the old oak tree. Um. Super Bowl's twelve. NFC six. NFC West two to one. Nope. 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 Make the playoffs. Juicy, yes. I actually kind of tempted at the no because there's other teams in the NFC I like a little better that might be around that same eight to ten win range. And the season win total is a juicy under and it's easy enough schedule that I'm not laying the juice on that. So like we said, probably a bet against when the market is too high on this team during the season. That's might be it for them. Um yeah, I think that's true. The uh um god i looked hard at under nine and a half in the alt wins market too it was i think like plus 160 i didn't play it but i looked really hard uh i wonder if i'll regret that i never regret anything yeah i regret running my zed horse too much today oh really now he's yeah they have fatigue now and now he's tired and i can't play with them i need oh dude you didn't I regret you didn't not owning more Ethereum. Fatigue. Yeah, <laughs> buying more Z horses. You didn't factor in the. You didn't use the fatigue factor for your horse. Just you're you're running your horse. God, dude. I heard that. I heard that factor is no longer viable. It's no longer viable. It's no longer an angle for running for, for running out. It out. The market has figured it out. Um, all right. Well, I think that should do it for us. I'm excited for the next two pods. Let's call this one. Let's call it. Let's um, let's wrap it. Let's wrap. Let's regroup at an un, undisclosed location, un, unknown time. We're not going to tell you <laughs> when this bonus. If you're not subscribed to the yeah AD, you better hit the subscribe button. AD, you owe me that for all the all the gardening advice I've given you over. Hey, there. what was uh, what what are you and AD on for uh, golf this weekend? Big, big, big golf. This is the this is the the tour finals, tour championship. Antoine Antoine Rosner. No, 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 Talk no, no, no. not the Italian, not the Italian open, not the Italian, nobody, open. not the nobody corn, not the corn. Shit. I don't want the corn fairy championship. Nobody, players. nobody gives a shit about the tour championship. Oh, it's come the, on. Bullshit. Out of, out of all the sports, it is the worst way to end the JT. season. He okay, says good. JT. I like, I like that. 
I I played Xander to be the lowest score. I didn't mm. play any outrights to actually win the tournament. I don't like that market this this week at all. So I played I played a few to be the lowest score, and I I faded Morikawa even though he says my back feels better. Isn't it easier to handicap a field of thirty than a handicap a field of hundred and thirty? I don't understand. Not not for matchups. I prefer matchups. I don't like even though I've oh, had God. a good year for outrights. I prefer matchups. No, PGA is the worst this week. Interesting. It, it's huh. it's think about the final four, the Super Bowl, Game Seven, Lakers, Celtics, you know, hockey, overtime, playoffs. All Every the prices one of are those correct. things is so no no no. Everything is so awesome. <laughs> those oh, things right, are so okay, awesome. Instead, we have a golf tournament that's also during or at the BCS Championship. Fucking Vince Young running into the end zone. My God, all those things are a million by factors of a million better than how the golf ends their season they just have not figured out like they need to just put a major at the end of the season well tennis tennis is the same problem <laughs> yeah but i don't consider tennis to have an end it's it's it kind of has a there's cycle. a tour finals <laughs> no but again like i think that one's kind of cool too i think they okay. the the tour finals the the tour finals isn't just money although there's a lot of money there too so all right all right. As well, I wax poetic about golf. Best of luck. Week one college football. It's going to be a fun, fun, uh, fun appetizer for week one NFL. See you in Vegas next week. See you on two more podcasts that we're going to record before we call it a week. <laughs> we are, uh, we are that dedicated to the craft that we just record <laughs> constantly recording podcasts for you guys. So you're welcome. <laughs>